You are listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network. to Archaeology and L podcast. For those of you new to our podcast, Archaeology and L is a monthly talk held upstairs at the Red Deer Pub at Pitt Street in Sheffield, provided by Archaeology in the City, an outreach program from the University of Sheffield's Archaeology Department. This month we are presenting Community Heritage in Tinsley from 2013 to 2016 with guest speaker Sally Rogers. Please view the show notes for more information about our podcast and the guest speaker. Thank you. Been doing in Tinsley since 2013. But I am the community archaeologist at Healy City Farm, so I thought I would first explain why, uh, you know, why I work in Tinsley and also work in Tinsley. And then I'm going to go through a bit of the history of Tinsley and then I'm going to talk about the project. So, Healy City Farm, have you ever been to it? Those that haven't, please come. Um, this is the farm. So, it was started. Um, about 35 years ago and um, this is what it looks like now and um, it's a little charity and we do it's very diverse we do all sorts of things there's a cafe there a garden center we work with older people and young people and people young people that are struggling at school and people learning difficulties and um, we've got a, this little site at, um, at Healy um, which has our main site but we also work all across the city um, and this is what it looked like um, 35 years ago. So the, so the farm started because um, it was it's built on six streets of houses. There was a plan to fill the road through Healy into town. Um, so the council compulsory purchase all of the houses, everybody had to move out. But then there was a big protest and um, yeah, all the local people managed to stop the road, but the houses were in this state that be demolished. So whenever anybody at the farm goes out to do talks, we always do a bit of plugging of the farm. So this is plugging of the farm. So that's what it used to look like, and this is what it looks like now. And um, so all of our work is about people and about communities, and also a lot of like health and well-being sort of fits in there. Yeah. So my work. So I started there in two thousand and eight, and my work does sort of fit in. Um, we do lots and lots and lots of things. This is just like a list of some of the things that we do. Um, you know, we, as I said, Cafe Garden Centre. We've also got um, the South Yorkshire Energy Centre is based at the time and they do advice about uh, keeping your bills low in winter and making your house warm. Rooms. So yeah, I've been there since 2008 and my job is quite varied and quite eccentric. And so I wrote, so this is, this is my mission statement to try and explain a bit to put what I do into context. So we love seeing people progress by helping them to have hands-on opportunities to experience local heritage. And we do that in lots and lots of different sorts of ways. Um, up to now, I have been the only member of the archaeological staff at the farm. 
So lots of my projects rely on um, very fantastic volunteers and lots of partnership projects. So most of our projects are yeah, partners with other organisations. And we've done, we've done lots and lots of things so far. Um, so I have a background in history and archaeology. And uh, yeah, so I knew fairly early on in my, in my university career that I wanted to do community archaeology. And being based at the farm, although it's a bit of an eccentric way of working, it means that I do get the opportunity to, to build lots of um, community heritage projects that I wouldn't necessarily get the chance to do in that same way in a more traditional, um, yeah, like a unit of a museum. I wouldn't get the chance to do it in quite such a, um, a diverse way. And yeah, so this is some of the things we've done. So we've got, we've got roundhouses, so a roundhouse at the farm, we've got a roundhouse at the school, uh, we've done digs, um, I've done projects based at the farm and um, in other places. The bottom left hand corner is a uh, project we did at Cunningham Castle. So I do community heritage projects anywhere I can get them really, and they're all different. And Tinsley is just one of those. So back to back to Tinsley. So we started working in Tinsley in um, like 2012, really. That's when we went last three bids. Um, it came about because um, year five teachers at the primary school in Tinsley had been doing research about the history of the school site. So the teachers had realised by looking at maps that there was an interesting house underneath the school site. And they approached Wessex Archaeology to see if they could do something about it. And um, they, they wanted to, but they didn't have any community experience in Sheffield, so they asked us to help with that. And um, yes, we started in 2013 and we're still there now. So it's a really good partnership project. This shows you where Tinsley is if you don't know. So it's uh, right on the edge of Sheffield, on the border of Rotherham. Um, the M1 is the big blue line down the middle that cuts straight, straight through the middle of Tinsley today. Um, it's, a, yeah, it's on the edge of Sheffield, on the edge of Rotherham, and people who live there, they still don't really feel part of Sheffield and Rotherham. And Tinsley, it's had a lot of big things imposed on it in recent years. So it had um, fairly recent years. So the M1, is a huge thing, so that opened in 1968, completely changed Tinsley. And then Meadow Hall Shopping Centre, which is just like the top of this picture. Um, Blackburn Meadows. Yeah, Blackburn Meadows, <laughs> the sewage plant. And, and the, yeah, so Meadow Hall, um, middle of the, yeah, 1990s. It, so they, all these big things completely changed Tinsley and, and changed people's perception of Tinsley. And most people, well, lots of people, I think, get as far as Meadow Hall and then they don't realise that there's actually people living just the other side of Meadow Hall. Um, when I tell people I'm working in Tinsley, this is what they often think of. So they, they think of um, the, yeah, the industrial history. So Tinsley played a very, very important role in Tinsley's industrial development. And when I, when I say I'm working in Tinsley, I get um, people telling me stories about um, people who worked in factories there, Tinsley Wire and the Simplex factory and all the factories. Um, which is very, very interesting. So this view of Tinsley is a very, very important one, but it gives a sort of view of past glories that are gone forever. And, and yeah, in our industrial past that's now declined, and, um, which, which is very important and interesting, but there's a lot more to Tinsley than that. 
And in my work, I've been trying to show that, that it's not just about this industrial history. Um, Tinsley is great. It's a really, really interesting place, and it's been very little studied. It's got a fantastic history, and it's got a very strong community. And I want to show that history to as many people as possible, so that, especially the people that live there, I want them to be able to access their history as easily as, as they can. So this is Tinsley now. There's about 3,000 3, people living in Tinsley. It's not always a very easy place to live. There was a survey in 2012 um, by the council, the Health and Wellbeing Survey, that um, looked at lots of things, um, how children are doing at school, deprivation, um, indicators, all sorts of stuff. And it showed that showed that Tinsley is below the Sheffield average for lots of things. So um, the air quality particularly is really bad because the M1 is right there. And um, so associated illnesses are very high. Um, in 2012, the percentage of year 11 people staying on at school and the secondary school attendance was one of the lowest in Sheffield, it's still quite low. It's also a very young population. So the percentage of under fives is, was nearly twice that of the Sheffield average and that's still pretty similar now. And um, the percentage of over 75 is a bit lower. Tins is also a very multicultural area. It's an area that uh, people new to the country um, get settled there. And so that survey said that about 96% of the school of school aged children were of a BNE background. I think that's a bit more now. And um, so that's, yeah, loads and loads of different languages spoken in the school. The majority of the children learning English is a second language. Um, since, I've, since I've been working there, I've also witnessed quite a bit of struggle. So much of children's centre nursery closed, um, the library closed, um, the community centre had great funding struggles. But so this struggle isn't even the full picture. There is some still some industry in Tinsley, and I found it a very resilient community. Yeah, yeah strong and resilient, and um, people are very proud of where they live. And the mixture of people makes it a really, really interesting place. And there's people doing really, really fantastic things. There's fantastic work being done with the Roma community in Tinsley. Um, the, the, the girl in the middle is the here and now. She's a local community organiser. She does fantastic adult education and family work. That picture in the top corner is a litter pick that she'd organised. So people, are, the people who live there are, are proud of it. And yeah, there's wonderful things, lots of courses, events. There's a, a community allotment. The library's going to reopen, being run by volunteers, which I think is an indication of, of the strength of the community. Um, and there's also people that have lived there for many generations. So, so these um, these ladies in the corner at the the, the church coffee morning, um, and those ladies yeah, can trace their residency in Tinsley back several generations. So, in looking at the history, I want to go beyond the industrial development and look at Tinsley from as early as I possibly can and broaden the perception of the place and upskill the residents, especially the children, so that the people living there can understand their own history in different sorts of ways. So I'm going to give a very brief history of Tinsley. I'm going to start with this. So this is very, very brief. So Tinsley, so in Mesolithic times, Tinsley was a dry, dry place above the River Don. And this picture is very good. This um, shows the 
the geology, it shows the river terraces all the way down to the dock in the far, like the bottom of the hill. And you can see in the houses, the roofs of the houses, the terraces are shown very clearly. And then up here, the top of the hill, um, is like the centre of Old Kinsey, that's where the church is pretty much. So it was a, so uh, yeah, so in prehistory, it would be about a dry, high up place above very marshy, marshy area around the Don. Um, and the Don would have been a very useful resource. All sorts of river type resources, marshy, marshiness and fishes and reeds and all those sorts of things, getting around. Um, and we know that there were people here in prehistory because we found quite a couple of flints. He's slightly suspicious of the flints now, but um, Tim Cockrell, who did his PhD about the early, uh, about the river down in prehistory, thought that they were convincing. So we have had a few flints and um, yeah, there were some. There are some nearby finds as well, and um, most wonderfully is this boat. So this boat um, is Bronze Age, and it was found in a tributary to the Don, a uh, Chapel Flat site that's just behind this row of houses, and it runs down into the Don from there. Um, and it was found like on the Sheffield Road, nearly in the Don. It was found in the 60s, and it's been in. Um, in storage, Western Park Museum for many years. Um, we, I, when I first found out about it, I thought it was going to be in the British Museum, which is so good. But no, it's not. It was in storage here. Um, <laughs> we we worked with the museum to get an article written about it. So if anybody's interested, I can send you the article. Um, and hopefully, it's going to be on display in the new gallery in Western Park. Uh, yeah. So that's um, yeah. So we're up to the Bronze Age now. Um, there's evidence of yeah occupation in the Roman period, so that shows you where the where the boat was and the grey line up to where the boat was found. That's Chapel Flat Dyke, um, and there is some suspicion that um, Chapel Flat Dyke was diverted to feed the Roman baths at Templeborough. So the blue square is Templeborough Roman Fort. Um, and there are a few there are a few coins being found in Timothy Roman coins being found in Timothy. Um, uh, yeah, we're going to do a bit more investigation about the Romans. Um, so yeah, I think if if the if the uh, the river was diverted to feed the fort and the fort is so close, I think there's more about Romans than Timothy that that has been. Yeah, I think there's more to find out about that. So uh, the dam so continues to be very very important. Feature, so that's really why Tinsley is where it is because of its position on the Don. The Don Basin um, started to be drained in the early 1600s, so that enabled more um, occupation. Yeah, so this is just um, locating ourselves, so you can see where the, the fort was, where the, the stream was in better detail, and then uh, where Manor Farm is, that's our site. Um, that's like that dry high up place above the Don. Yeah, so the Don started to be drained in the 1600s. Prior to, prior, we'll go back in time from the 1600s. So um, this is St Lawrence Church. So this is right up on the highest bit of Timothy, which would have been the driest highest up bit. Um, so this is St Lawrence Church, and we think it's built on the site of, well, we know it's built on the site of a Norman church. And there's some suspicion, although a bit slightly unfounded, that it might be on the side of a Saxon. Might be Saxon down there. So Michael Wood, who's a wonderful television historian, um, he wrote 
So he's one of the very few people that have written, ever written anything about things. And he wrote a whole chapter in his book, In Search of England. And he said that possibly the, the Battle of Brunnenberg had been the... Uh, he had the evidence for it, he says, is some documents that is to do with the church that talks about money being given to the church to pray for the dead that died in the battle. And which is fantastic, a fantastic story. But I haven't been able to find this document and we've been in touch with Michael Wood and he isn't, yeah, he's not letting on the reference to this document. <laughs> and so, and now he says that the Battle of Brunnenberg might have been somewhere else. So, so I don't know. But if we could find, we'll hopefully find more about that eventually. But definitely a Norman church, possibly. There are a few other pre-industrial sites. Um, a lot of the farms um, that were in Kensington are very old, but these are some notable ones. So they, so and they show you where they are. Um, so that the, all these pink dots, that's the core of medieval Kinsley. So the church and um, manor, the manor house is part of the manor house. I'll talk about in a minute. There's also a tithe barn. Yeah, so that's the heart of medieval Tinsley. Tinsley is mentioned in the Doomsday Book. This is its Doomsday Book entry, um, where it sounds like it sounds like an established small agricultural place by yeah by 1086 when the Doomsday Book was written. So it talks about the people that were there farming the land, and Roger um, has there now one villain and three settlements. So Roger is Roger de Boosley, who was given Tinsley for his. Um, contribution to the conquest and he was given big big lumps of the country uh, including Tinsley and he was his base was at Tickhill Castle so um yes it was at Tickhill Castle so um Tinsley the name comes from Tingersley which means fields of council which is interesting because we've got documents relating to a court baron being held in Tinsley from at least 1284. So the earliest document we've got for the court baron is 1284. But after, so that's the medieval court. So often places where the medieval court had been held, um, it, it can mean that a court had been held there before the conquest. Um, and we've just only got the records from 1284. But being fields of council in the Doomsday Book sort of indicates that maybe it had been an important meeting place for, for deciding things. Um, yeah. Back to the, to the conquest. So important place of meeting. Uh, it, it, yeah, it looks like an important agricultural place. So this, this is our site. So, um, so this is one of the churches. The churches up here. This is our site. Um, the manor house. You can see all those grey buildings. That's the current school. And this is the map that. Um, that the year five teachers have been looking at when they were, you know, starting the project. Um, so Tinsley, from the Doomsday Book, continued as an important agricultural, like, settled agricultural place with the, the court meeting there, um, so locally important, um, and it just, yeah, got bigger and bigger. We've got, so yeah, so this is, um, so then, the, yeah, so the manor house and the farm yeah, were the centre of Tinsley. We've been trying to work out where this court met, whether, whether it met at the Manor House or whether it met at Tinsley Hall, which is just across the road, and we can't work out. Um, we think that we're pretty sure that the Manor House is the oldest building, was the old, was a bit older than Tinsley Hall, so was the old, was the Manor House, was the first prominent building. We're, we're 
but it's difficult to tell the early state for it. I'll come on to that in a bit. But that's where it is. That's where our site is. We think it pretty certainly is the Manor House. And this is what it looked like. Our Manor House. <coughs> so this is, uh, I don't know when this was taken. Definitely uh, between 1930 and 19, late 1940s, I think. Well, I think, I think the whole thing is earlier, and, but that this side is getting in a bad state by the time that this picture is taken. So here is Sylvie looking all agricultural. So this is um, yeah, some more of the farms in Tinsley because they're very nice to look at. Um, so these, these pictures are all taken between 1900 and 1930, um, but most of the farms are older than that. And I've just shown you this really as a collection of agricultural Tinsley to contrast it to how it looks today if you go and visit it. So keep these pictures in mind if you go and visit it. So Tinsley continued getting bigger and bigger, getting uh, more and developed, more developed, creeping closer to Sheffield and Rotherham. The Don was made navigable uh, to Tinsley in the mid 1700s. That was really the beginning of um, rapid industrialisation. Uh, Turnpike Road was built to Sheffield. The canal opened in um, 1819. Um, and that boosted the development of Tinsley massively because there was a wharf at Tinsley, so the Don was navigable to there, and then there was the canal. Um, then the railway came in 1830. Tinsley had its own railway station, which is there. In fact, it had two railway stations eventually, that one and one for the colliery a bit further along. Um, and it became widely known for um, iron, coal, and steel, and the wire works. And then the population grew massively. Here's its population. Um, so it uh, grew like six times, is it? between 1822 and 1901. So massive, massive population growth. Here are some maps to, to go along with the population growth. So you've got 1854 to, to 1923, massive, um, massive change, going from looking like a, a little medieval village to a, an industrial looking place. And then by like the end of the 60s, it was completely unrecognizable. Um, so, yeah, and then we've got, then we had um, Steel Peach and Tozer Temple Grove Steelworks, which was built in 1914, uh, just after the, yeah, because of demand for the First World War munitions, really. Um, and that was built on top of the Roman fort and um, was huge. So when that was built, their, their melting shop was like the biggest of its kind in Europe. And it employed, like, I think, about 10,000 people at its height. So that had a massive impact on um, the village of Tinsley. But it did, since it did continue to have some farms and kept some of its agricultural character until the 1950s, so well within, to, within living memory. But then when the M1 was built, um, so that was late 1960s, that chopped Cincy in half, completely changed it forever. So going back to what we've been doing. So this is, this is our house. So, so some of these things about the, about the canal, about the river, I would like to do more of that, but with this project, it, so it's been lottery funded um, and it it was based in the school mostly, and I've been mostly stuck in this house for three years, <laughs> um, which is a lovely house to be stuck in, but some of those other things that I haven't I've been from to look at. So, um, yeah, so this is this is our first project in Tinsley. We wanted to find out as much as we could about the house. We think it was built, well, we think it was built pre-1400s. So Wessex's building archaeologist and looks at the pictures we've got as it fell down and what they think pre-1400s. Uh, we found two bits of pottery. We found 
11th to 12th century and 13th to 14th century bit, bit of pottery in one of the trenches. So that gives us a slightly earlier date, which is really exciting. And the amount of pottery from Sheffield from that time is very little, so that's really good. Um, but we haven't got we haven't got an early date for it. That's that's all of the information I've got towards getting an early date. So the house, yes, yeah, so approximately fourteen hundred, and then um, so it started off as the the manor farm, we think, and um, to do with the in the um, an important part of the manorial system, and then it became quite a posh house. So that um, that middle picture with all those people looking miserable, that's <laughs> the Needham family in nineteen hundred when it really was quite a posh house. Um, it was one house for years, um, but most of its life it was one house. We've traced it, the residents of the house back to 1851 um, through uh, electoral roll and census records. Um, we have got, we've been yeah, trying to find out about the inside of it. We've got some, as well as photos of the construction and the excavations, we've got a few accounts. So like this um, from Mr. Marsland, he says that there were stout oak beams and big rooms that um, can help us date it a bit. We've recently found this, which is fantastic. So this is an article from um, the sale of the house. So this is when Mr. Knowles moved out in 1862. And the Knowles family had been living there since our earliest record. So at least since 1851, probably earlier than that. And they moved out and they sold everything. We don't know why he moved out. I would really like to find out what happened to them. But, um, but this is the whole contents of the house as of 1862, which make it look like a really quite prestigious box of mahogany. I'm re I am really pleased about that sale document because it's going, to, it's going to be a really interesting teaching aid. It gives you a really good idea about um, what it would have looked like inside, which is hard to get at otherwise. So we think, so, so this is, these show its construction. These pictures that the Wessex archaeologists have had a look at, and you can see like lath and plaster and massive, um, Lumps of wood used in the construction. So it was one house for a long time, but in some time in the 1950s, one end started to fall down. But the other end, yeah, was were continued to be lived in for a long time. I think till like the 60s. I don't know how you could live in one end of the house with the other end falling down and not be worried. So I think it, it was split into two cottages, and they just sort of ignored the other end was falling down. It was a farm. All of its pretty much all of its life, it was a farm until 1953. So this is 1953. I think in that picture it looks like one end falling, falling down. Then so this is a really really sad document. So this is yeah. So this is the sale of the farm, and um, the farmer yeah decided to give up and sell because his cows were all being poisoned by the industry, and it says. In the, in the account how sad he is about it, how they're all being poisoned. We've also spoken to, we've been doing a lot of oral history, and one of the people we've talked to called John Alchich, he um, worked at the farm as a boy in the, like, in the late 40s, um, and he used to work there to get money, pocket money, so he could go to the cinema. And, um, and he's got some like really good stories about talking to the farmer who's leaning on his gate and looking out over the farm saying it was all going to go soon and really sad. Um, and this article says that this was the very last farm in Tinsley. Um, we don't know if that's completely right, but um, I wouldn't, it's yeah, not far off. So by the 1950s, no more in agricultural Tinsley. But the house, yeah, the house continued to be occupied until 
the 60s, early 60s. And then the, the site was, but by then it was pretty much gone. It was in a really bad state and it was demolished so the school could be built. Going back to what we've been doing, this is our first project, as I said, and so we, we wanted to find out as much as we could about the site, but also involve as many people as possible and spread the word about the history of, um, this early history of Kinsey. So we, we did, oh, we've done all sorts of things. So we've been um, based in the school for three years and we've done field work and classroom work. This is some of our field work. So we had two seasons of, of field work with um, survey and excavation. This is the, the first survey. Oh, maybe it's bits of pictures of both surveys. Yes, <laughs> um, but we involved the whole school in the field work. So we had um, half a class of children uh, yeah, about every, what would you say, every half an hour for the, for the surveying? Oh, little you, groups yeah, of the, children. Um, yeah, so we, had, so we had the whole school, uh, which was very good. We had, yeah, we had children doing that like, relay with the resistive and that sort of thing. And um, we also had other visitors, so that group in the corner there, the Brinsworth and Captive History group we came to join in. Um, the resistivity was only partially successful. Well, the yeah, the surveying. So the magnetometry was hopeless because of all the slag spread over the whole site. But the resistivity was, this was quite good. So the uh, red area is a high resistance that shows where the remaining um, walls and things underneath the ground. Um, so that was fairly, fairly helpful. And that, yeah, that, um, we based where we put our trenches on that. And um, so the children did the survey and then the children uh, from that helped us decide where we were going to put the trenches. The uh, 2014 resistivity was initially quite successful. We started getting these round features coming out until we realised that really it was on an older, yeah. It's, it's um, actually very nicely the old uh, football pitch, which the children were quite excited about. But it shows up quite nicely, so it showed that you could see a thing, but it was a bit embarrassing. And then, yeah, so over the two years, we had seven trenches. We had um, four of them on parts of the farm. And so four of them were on outbuildings and three were on the house. We, um, I'm just going to quickly go through the trenches because you can, you can see the sort of thing. So we had, um, we, we found a lot more than we thought we were going to find. It was a lot better preserved than we thought. We found lots of different layers of the farmyard. We found bits of the cell of the house. We're just we're still processing the plans now. Um, the whole school were involved, so um, this one we yeah we had half a class every half an hour for two weeks, so that every class could get several goes at digging. So um, we didn't have a class that's only done backfilling, and um, everybody had a go. This one, so this uh, this uh, this top one here, and um, this is the one that uh, the medieval pottery came out of. So that's over and out building. That was very good. That's my favourite one. Um, we did find, so for most of the trenches, we didn't bottom them out. We were slightly limited by the children. So we were there just for two weeks and getting all the children to join in. And so there were a few trenches, especially in 2014, where we were just getting, getting to walls and then we had to stop. So we are going. We are hoping to do another excavation because there's yeah definitely more to be found. But but yeah, we showed how much was left, and we found some things. Yeah, if you are interested in the ex more in more if you like more detail about the excavation, the report is uh, imminent, and, and it will be yeah shareable imminently.
But one thing we were very keen to find, I wonder if I've got a picture, here we go. So, so we were quite keen to see if we could find these arches. So this, so TR8 and TR9 uh, were attempts to find these arches. So that, that uh, building is fronting onto Borchy Road. Um, and then, so there's a big long building and then the house is behind, you can see in that middle picture. So that building, uh, so it's one storey on the roadside, but then two storeys on the house side. And it's got these arches. And in the sale article, it says that these arches are architecturally important. And somebody has had a look at them, and they're similar to some similar construction to uh, far, farm buildings on the continent. I was hoping to find some nice bases of those arches, but we didn't. And that, but that TR9, that's the one where we were just finding walls. Um, but no, when we finished. Oh, my coach, we got the. Um, we got the Clay, it was yeah. um, clay ceiling layer below. There was um, very misleading clay layer that closed the shop. Yeah, about <laughs> half, half a metre thick, and then yeah. we, got the, we got into the drain of that, and then it, we could see the footings underneath it, yeah. which were sealing the layer below, so we just missed it. Yes. So we're hoping to do a little. So here we go, here's more children joining in because I think these are really good pictures, and um, yeah, it's nice to show you how many people we had joining in. So we dug uh, with the whole school. We also dug during the um, the school fairs, which was interesting. Um, especially, uh, we had one little boy, a year three, so littlest year at primary school, come with his mum at the school fair, and his mum said, oh, this is what you've been doing. And he'd been, uh, he'd got keen on the digging in school, and he'd been digging up his back garden with a spoon. <laughs> and came to the panel, so he was my favourite. As well as the field work, we did a lot of classroom work because we wanted we didn't want the children just to be um, just to have yeah the field work drop on drop on them and then not really understand what its context was and um, yeah so lots of the children uh, yeah speaking English as the as the as a second language never done any history before definitely never done any archaeology before so we we wanted to. So we started off with them um, looking at what, it, what is an archaeologist and what does an archaeologist wear and what tools do they use. So these are year five archaeologists. We worked with year five, so the whole school joined in with the classroom work, but we did with the field work, but the classroom work was just year fives. So we had like three year groups of year five go through the project. So they're the year that don't have to do any serious exams, but they're old enough to do lots of stuff with. So we thought that was a good way of getting through a lot of children in the project, and, and, and it was. Um, so they did, as well as classroom stuff, we took them out where we could. So they had trips to the archives, they had behind-the-scenes tours at the archives, that was really good. Um, we did lots and lots of practical stuff, partly because of the language issue, and because we were um, introducing such a lot of new concepts, doing it in a practical way was good. So. Like we looked at the archive material to do with the house and the pictures, and then we made model houses. We did timelines, we dressed up as Tudors, we made uh, miniature trenches, all sorts of fantastic stuff. We had the, the bones, our yeah, zoo archaeologists from the university came in with um, bones to show them. Um, we linked everything that we could to the um, the history of Tinsley itself. So we did do some general what is archaeology stuff, but we linked as much as we could to Tinsley. So we went on walks round. Um, these black and white pictures are pictures of a medieval feast that we did based on some of the documents in the court rolls. Um, that was fantastic. And we had um, the chap in the big hat 
he's a storyteller, so he was the lord of the manor, and everybody else was visitors, and we did preparation beforehand, so the children were divided into lords, knights, and peasants, but they didn't know that before they came to the feast. So, and they, they all had different food, depending on who they were, and they gradually worked out through the through the afternoon who was who was the peasant and who wasn't, and and then we discussed that, all that back in the class. It was it was really good. We had bear baiting and, and jousting. It was great. We had a volunteer in a bear mask, a very tall volunteer who was the bear. It was good. So um, we also involved them in the wider project. So we were mostly based in school. But we did want to bring it out as much as we could. So we uh, we so this is some of that. So we took visitors into the school. And um, so people that had lived in Kinsey for a long time, or people that worked in Kinsey. So the top chap, he's a librarian. Um, the lady at the bottom, she that's Alison, she was the last person to be born on site. Uh, I don't know if you remember that map. So there's Manor Farm, and then next door to that was First Farm. She was born at First Farm. So she was born there. And then she remembered standing across the road watching the wrecking ball knock down the house that she was born in. So that was fantastic thing for the children to learn. And, that, and the school, so Manifan was underneath the football field, but Furs was underneath the actual school. So she could sit in a classroom and say, under your classroom, that's where I was born. Um, and we had, we also took the children out to the Coffin White Church. We ran um, events in Tinsley and the children came out to the events so we could have the, the children showing residents their work. This one was really good. So this on the far side is a big long poster on, on a pull-up thing. And that was Misha's poster. And Misha came to the event and stood by it. Still some important looking adults who were actually from the university came to look. And then he said, Think, what do you think about this? Do you think it's good? <laughs> and made them say, yes, it's good. Mine, I did it. And that was really good. Misha also, during the excavation, um, Clive Betts, the MP, came to visit and Misha made him get in a trench and do digging, <laughs> which he hadn't expected to do. So Misha was really good. They, so we, as well as, so we, we didn't map our activities onto the curriculum, uh, which is a thing I perhaps would do again. I would, I would have mapped them onto the curriculum, I think, but we didn't. But we did, so we tried to bring in lots of things and the teachers used what we were doing as like stimulus for other classroom work when we weren't there. So um, that, so like the, um, the year sixes used the excavation, they did a report about the excavation for their, their exams, um, and this is yeah, creative writing being used, so we had a poet and a storyteller come and do um, writing linked to the, to the work we were doing. And this, this in the middle, archaeology is like putting a puzzle together which has got lots of pieces, that was the homework of a little girl from the, the first year that we well, we were in school. And she did that. She did a, She came in one day and said, look what I've made at home. And she'd done voluntary homework of a poster of archaeology with that quote, which is a fantastic, perfect summing up of archaeology. Um, yeah, and we did. We introduced to them lots of skills that they wouldn't usually have got to do. So surveying and looking at skeletons and how manitometry works. And yes, and then there's wide, the wider project as well. So it hasn't, it hasn't all just been in school. We've worked with lots of volunteers, done lots of events. Yeah, there's events in, the, events in the library. We had a girl, so the girl in the middle, she came and did her Duke of Edinburgh Award volunteering for the project. This is, we've been yeah, doing all history and collecting memories of people and then feeding that back into the project. So this is um, some of the memories. 
Uh, this, yeah, that picture is that picture of that Needham family with them all looking miserable. That, this lady sitting down, she is related to this little girl with the pigtails um, sitting there in the picture. So um, that's her family and she gave us that picture and the whole photo album of pictures of the same period, so 1900s, of her family pictures. Um, that chap at the top, he's John Alchurch, who worked at the farm as a boy. And this is Mr. Mars and the the um, the black and white picture of the chap with the friendly moustache. He's um, that's Mr. Mars and he was really the expert on Tinsley. He was born in Tinsley and lived there all his life, worked in one of the factories. And he was an amateur historian, and he was interested in history from a boy. And when he retired, he wrote five um, thick notebooks, handwritten notebooks of the whole everything that he knew about the history of Tinsley that are in Rotherham archives and have never been published. And one of my volunteers, Susan, went and sat in Rotherham archives for nearly a year and typed them all up so we could use them in the project. And then by the time she'd finished typing them up, she was really Mr Marsden's best friend and wanted to find out more about him, so we found out where his grave is. And we found um, his next of kin. So the lady in the pink jumper, that's his niece. So she's his um, oldest surviving next of kin. And we've been and visited her quite a few times. She lives in Brinsworth and she's been to some of our events. So we could tell her what a fantastic man her uncle was, how useful he'd been to us. And yeah, we've been spreading the word far and wide. These lots of um, outside talks we've been to. We had an exhibition at um, in Western Park Museum last summer. And so this is oh, very quickly. So I. I'm quite easily distracted by interesting things and I did feel, I was starting to feel a bit like I'd just been stuck in that house. So I started some other projects. Yeah, so as I, as we found out more things, we did more things about them. So yeah, the, the boat, we had that article written about the boat. We ran a WEA course uh, with parents of children in the school. So they were both, mostly BME women. Um, because we'd been involved in lots of volunteers, lots of people, the school children, but we hadn't really had any parents join. So Zahira, the community organiser, said that the best way to involve them was to have a, a structured course that they could come to at a certain time every week and then get a certificate at the end. So we did that um, and yeah, took, these, uh, took the ladies to places that they'd never been before. They went to um, the museum store, we took them to Wentworth Woodhouse, and um, that was really good. The best of these side projects was Unraveling Tinsley's Rolls. That was a project looking at these court rolls um, because we found, yeah, found that there were documents about Tinsley going back to 1284 and they'd never been properly looked at. There was not a proper catalogue for them and no one had transcribed them. Um, the 3D seal came out of that project. So, so on one of these documents, there's a seal of Edward VI, who was a very poorly son of Henry VIII. Um, died very young so there aren't many things with his um, seal on um, but one of our documents has got it and it's really beautiful and I wanted to use it as a teaching aid but it's very fragile so we got a bit of money from the Shore scheme at the university to work with the engineering department to get a 3D copy of it so we've got 3D copies I've brought some for you to have a look at if you want to have a look uh, we've been looking at the watermarks on the documents that's a future project um, looking at wider Tinsley. We've been doing a churchyard survey. We've just started this last month, recording the graves in the church because, which I need more volunteers, and so Ashley's been helping. Any volunteers that want to come and do graveyard surveying, I'd be very glad. Um, because the, 
The graves at the church are older than the church itself, and they've got, yeah, some of them have got long, complicated inscriptions that are very helpful for family historians, but there's no record of them anywhere. There's only just a stone. So we're trying to, to create a, a record of them. That'll help, yeah, family historians on the church and future projects. So these are just, yeah, just a few pictures of those side projects. That's the Lindsay ladies and the boat. This is the um, the unravelling Finzi's rolls. Oh, and this was fantastic. So, so yeah, this was about a year, and it was funded by the Arts Enterprise Scheme. And I can't remember how many how many documents there are. Lots. But we had um, two PhD students from the history department. Yeah, so they were paid from the Arts Enterprise Scheme to go and sit in the archives for nearly a year and work with volunteers. So these are all groups that have come with them to to help. So. So they were there transcribing and translating, and volunteers could come along and um, look at the documents with them and um, access them. And this is what they've made. So they made a transcription of um, all of these documents. So they go from 1284 to 1805. So they're all they're like fines for things people have done wrong. There's a lot about people doing the wrong thing with their pigs. <laughs> and not, not putting rings through the noses is a major crime. Yeah, so the things that people have been doing wrong and bits of wills and agreements about land, but they're odd and they're so beautiful, they're really beautiful, and they can tell you. So it's not just the information that's that's yeah the written information. They also they're all signed, so they've got family history information. They tell you about the literacy of the people in the intensity. Loads and loads of stuff. Here's a few pictures of them. And um, we also, because we had that project, we could then go back into school and do more about the documents in school. So we had um, children making their own medieval documents, making seals for them out of soap and sealing them with plasticine. That was good fun. Um, this is a storyboard made up from one of the documents that we did this feast about. So that was about um, William de Tynesville having to go and pay his rent at Tickhill Castle. And then we yeah, brought the children in to look at the actual documents with the PhD students. And so they're really beautiful and worth having a look at. The, these, this one on the right, this is one in Latin. So the Latin ones we've got a summary transcription of, but we, oh yeah, this is a, yes, work that the children did. So we could, we brought, took the first PhD students into school and the children learnt how a manorial court works, which was amazing. The, I'm very feeling very pleased about the court role project at the moment because it's definitely got. So we'd only really just made a start of it with the with these transcriptions, and we'd like to do more. And the history department think there is enough scope in the project for a PhD. So we've just found out that we've got some more arts enterprise funding to do a um, for us to write up a PhD proposal to get a funded PhD to work on them, which will be fantastic. So, so that's part of what's next. Um, I definitely haven't finished, I don't feel like I've finished working in Tindley, there's, there's still more things to do. Um, so as well as the extra court roles project, I'm writing another Heritage Lottery Fund um, to do a project that will be called Tinsley Time and Travel, which will be um, which will be two years and it'll let me do um, yeah, work with different people. So I won't just be in the school, I'll be able to, I'll have an office in Tinsley Forum in the community. I'll be able to involve different people and we'll be able to look at more of 
more of the history. So that's where the river and the canal come in. We've got like, yeah, parts set aside in that project. This has been a presentation of the Archaeology Podcast Network. Visit us on the web for show notes and other podcasts at www.archaeologypodcastnetwork.com. Contact us at chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com.